1862, William Lincoln, the son of President Abraham Lincoln and First Lady Mary Todd Lincoln, died at the age of 11. And his mother, Mary Todd, was so distraught at his death, she sought a group of uh, mediums or spiritualists as mediators to, to hold a seance to invite, invoke the, the spirit of Willie William in. And they did this a number of times in the White House. Mary Todd was so desperate to see her son again. In the early 1900s, Empress Alexandra of Russia, wife of Tsar Nicholas, invited a faith healer called Rasputin into their home and their lives. As Rasputin was a self-professed prophet, he was tasked with bringing healing and restoration to Nicholas and Alexandra's son, Alexei, who was suffering from hemophilia. Rasputin was a dangerous man, and though he had connection with the Orthodox Church, he was less of a clergyman and really more of a, a spiritualist. In desperation, we sometimes turn to things that we don't fully understand. Both of these families had Christian roots, Christian upbringing. The Lincolns from a Protestant background, the Romanov family from an Orthodox background, but again, in desperation, we turn to anyone or anything that is willing to give us an answer. And the world is always ready with answers. But what should we turn to? In seasons of desperation and in seasons of doing well, I wonder if you have gone through these moments in your own life. How did you respond? I hope it's obvious that this is the point where I will now point us to Christ and remind us to flee to Christ when we are in moments of desperation, that we would uh, uh, remain in Christ when we are in great need, that we would rest in Christ through all seasons. That is essentially my job here as a preacher, is to look at the Word of God and, as it were, to move your affections to Christ for you to see yourself rightly, to feel your need for Christ, to show you how wonderful He is, and to encourage you to go to Him, to encourage all of us to go to Him, to trust in Him. That term, Christ, it carries great weight. It's not his last name, by the way. Mary and Joseph Christ had a son, Jesus Christ. That's, that's not his last name. The, the term Christ means anointed one. The Christ. 
But why do we use that term? It is because Christ is the anointed one. And in the Old Testament, there were three offices in which God's servants were uniquely anointed. And those are the offices of the prophet, the priest, and the king. And so this morning, and for the next few weeks, as we approach Holy Week, as we prepare for Easter, I want us to look at these three offices, what they were in the Old Testament, how they were fulfilled in the New Testament, and how they continue even for us today and to the end of the age. And my hope is that by the end you will be so much more grateful for Christ. You will be so much more stirred up in your affections for Christ and His gospel that it will influence and impact you in your daily life and carry you through all of the circumstances that you face, even and especially in those moments, in those times of desperation. Let us pray and ask that God would grant that to us this morning. Lord God, we turn to You in this very moment, asking that Your Holy Spirit would stir in us, that we would see Christ more clearly, and that we would love Him more dearly, that You would draw us more nearly to you. Father, for those who come out of habit or obligation, we pray, Lord, that you would stir them up so in their seats as they hear the words of truth echo in their ear. And Father, for those who come trusting in you, that you would be their comfort, that you would be their all in all. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to read the first four verses. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago... At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. In these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. This will be our primary text for the next three weeks, but we will bounce around between Old and New Testament as we build our case that Jesus is the Christ, the only prophet, priest, and king, and that He is the greatest mediator that you will consult with in your life. And we start by looking at this office of prophet. 
What is the role of the prophet? You may have asked yourself this question as you read through parts of the Old Testament. What is the role of a prophet? Well, a prophet reveals. A prophet represents God to mankind. A prophet foretells. He is a foreteller, often revealing the future of individuals or or of nations. Prophecy, prophesying come from prophets, right? And God used that often revealing future events that would come to fruition by the words of the prophets. In fact, God said that that people should stone the prophet whose prophecy does not come true, Uh, an indication to us that this is to be taken very seriously. This office is to be taken seriously. These people are to be heard, and if someone comes and abuses that, then they are to be put to death. That's how serious the implications are of this. So they are foretellers. But prophets are also forth-tellers. Forth-tellers. Foretellers reveal the future to come. Forth-tellers speak what is true. They took the Word of God forth to the people. They declared the revealed will of God, proclaimed truths that God had made known. When Hilkiah, the high priest, discovers the law of God, which had been lost during the 70 years of exile, and Ezra reads from the the law, there there was a declaring of the revealed will of God to the people. And the response of the people was weeping, for their hearts were, they were broken over their sin and their disobedience. Foretellers and forthtellers revealing God to man. Before Jesus, we walked in the futility of our minds, as Paul says in Ephesians. We were in darkness, cast into the uh, abyss in the sin of, of Adam, and our hearts were at war with God. And as a heart is ignorant and lost, just as a heart that is ignorant and lost needs light to reveal the truth, God revealed Himself progressively through the Scriptures. One of the ways in which He does this is through His servants, the prophets. And so we have people like Abraham. We think of Abraham called as a prophet in Genesis chapter 20. In this encounter that he has with uh, Abimelech, And uh, if you'll remember the story, Abraham is anticipating the fulfillment of the the, uh, promise that he will have a son, and he travels out to the Negev, and there, rather than sharing the good news of Yahweh, that God will bless those who bless Abraham, and, and the bad news that God will curse those who curse Abraham, and, and, and therefore proving himself to be a good and a gracious and a real deity who is worthy of worship, instead, what does Abraham do? He lies to Abimelech. And he tells Abimelech that Sarah is his sister, and he, and he puts Abimelech in danger in this. 
bearing false witness because he is afraid that the people will kill him because they desire his wife. And in a dream, Abimelech hears God tell him to return Sarah to her husband Abraham for, the Scripture says, he is a prophet. Abraham just happens to be not a very good and capable prophet. He's a bad example in some ways. And from Abraham on, God raises up prophets for the nation of Israel of whom Moses is the greatest. And why is Moses the greatest? Because he acts as a mediator of the law. He he plays the role of mediator between God and the people of Israel. He, He goes up to Mount Sinai to receive the Decalogue, to receive the Ten Commandments of God for the people And you remember when Moses comes down and and his face is shining so brightly that it terrifies the people and they, they hide from him. And so Moses has to veil his face because he has been in the presence of God. But in this, Moses is a prophet. Of God. He, he hears from God and he, he reveals God to the people. He's telling them what the desires of God are for the people. He, he's revealing to them the, the heart of God, what, what, what his heart actually wants and desires. And the office of prophet continues through the history of Israel. We, we, we think of the prophets uh, Elijah and Elisha calling for repentance for Israel specifically dealing with uh, wicked kings that were abusing their power, that were turning to idols and idolatry. We think of Isaiah and Jeremiah with their, their words of warning and their words of hope. You see, the prophets in the Old Testament, they, 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 they stand against idolatry and, and injustice, particularly against the vulnerable. So their concern is with how people treat God and how people treat others, which happens to be how Jesus summarizes the whole of the law. Love God, love others. And how were these messages from God through the prophets revealed, we wonder, uh, received rather? How did the people receive them? Well, in some circumstances, they were received well. We think of of the prophet Jonah, also a terrible prophet. But what did God do to Nineveh through His message? They repented, and God withheld His judgment from them. But most of the time, what happened to the prophets? Isaiah was sawn in two by King Manasseh. Jeremiah is stoned to death by his own people. Prophet after prophet were killed by the very people they were sent to. And it all ends with John the Baptist, the last prophet of his kind, who is beheaded by King Herod. So a prophet spoke for God and represented God to the people. And the question we're asking is, will the people listen? Will they hear? Will they repent? 
Will they hear the warnings from his words, the, the words that God is giving them? Will they receive them in their hearts? Will they turn? Will they stop their hearts bending in on themselves and instead rejoice and praise God and, and, and act in obedience to what God has called them to? Or will they continue down the path that they are on and put to death the very voice of representation from God? These days, it doesn't take the killing of a prophet to silence God's voice. All it takes is cutting yourself off from the means of grace. Not reading the Word of God is silencing the voice of God. Not being in prayer is silencing the voice of God. Not attending church, and by that I mean not being in fellowship in person, with the people of God, particularly on Sunday, where we sit under the authority of the Word and in prayer, is silencing the voice of God. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, and these things are written for our benefit. Do not silence the voice of God in your life. Now, I don't want this to be a, a point that just says, read your Bible more, pray more, commands, go, go and do them. No, I think that would be wrong, though those things are the right things to do. No, rather, I want you to see what God is saying to us through His Word. In those days, He sent prophets. In these days, He works through many different ways. But the point is the same. He desires you. He is calling to you, and it is for your good, and it is for His glory that He's calling to you that he does so. Uh, if you drove here in the uh, trickle of rain outside, perhaps you came across uh, an area of street that had quite a bit of water. Um, I remember several times I came to a point where a warning sign was up, and it said, uh, do not cross, you know, find some other way. And uh, so I would turn around and find another way to get wherever I was going. But it always astounded me that there was always one person or two people who thought, nah, I got this. <laughs> and then they weren't in a big lifted SUV or truck. They were in a small Toyota or Honda. And you just watch them with sadness as they putter through. And then the water gets deeper and deeper. And eventually their car is stuck. They look really dumb. Your heart goes out to them because you think, ah, I might have tried to do that if I hadn't seen them do that first. <laughs> but do you see what the text of Scripture, it is coming to us and giving us warning and saying, 
Look at what the people weren't doing. They weren't listening to the prophets. They were cutting themselves off. They were, they were killing the prophets. So do not silence the voice of God. You, you're better off crossing the Mississippi River in a, in a small car. It's a warning to us. It's a reminder to us. That's the prophet's then. But the passage in, Hebrew, in Hebrews continues. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And this brings us to our second point, prophets fulfilled. Prophets fulfilled. And in his divine timing, he sent the ultimate revealing prophet, the Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, the prophet of which Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. And the Lord said to me, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Like Moses, Jesus is the mediator of a covenant between God and his people. Unlike Moses, Jesus not only speaks God's Word, He is God's Word, as we're told in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus saw Himself and describes Himself as a prophet in Luke chapter 13, verse 33, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the following day. For it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from, his, from Jerusalem. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. And just as the prophets came speaking not on their own behalf, but on behalf of God, Jesus tells us as a foreteller John chapter 12, verse 49, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who has sent me has given himself, uh, has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak, and I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say, as the Father told me. John 14, 10, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. John 14, 24, Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. John 15, 15, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. John 17, 8, Jesus praying to the Father, for I have given them the words that you gave me. They have received them, 
and have come to know in truth that I came from you and have believed that you sent me. He cannot say anything that is out of bounds with the Father. All that he speaks is from the Father. Jesus is the ultimate foreteller, and he is the ultimate foreteller. He prophesied that his word would never pass away. And as much as people abuse it and wrench it and torture his words, those words still remain 2,000 years later. He prophesied his own death. He prophesied that his disciples would desert, desert him, that, that one of them would betray him, that Peter would deny him, that he would die in Jerusalem just like the prophets before him, that he would die by crucifixion, that he would die at Passover, that he would rise again on the third day, that the Spirit would come, that Jerusalem would be, would be destroyed, that the temple would be destroyed, and all that he has said has happened. Forthtelling and foretelling. And what was his fate? His fate was the same as the prophets that went before him. He's killed in Jerusalem. But as we just sang, death could not hold him. No one has had more prophesied about them or prophesied more themselves and revealed the Father to perfection the way that Jesus did. Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, the anointed prophet of God, the one who fulfilled what the prophets before him prophesied, the one who fulfilled what he himself prophesied, the one who by his spirit and his word continues to speak to us today, and yet we still look for additional information we still want to go out and buy the end times books to find out what's going to happen. We still want to know what the prognosticators and the prophets of today will say. But what's going to happen? We want to know. We still want to know what we don't know. And we will go anywhere to find it. Anywhere but the one who has perfectly displayed his foretelling and his foretelling. Anywhere but the one who has perfectly revealed the will of God. Mary Todd Lincoln turned to mediums and seances and mystics. The Romanov family turned to a modern-day prophet. Neither clung to Jesus, though they knew better. Neither looked to the Christ for the answers to their problems. Beloved, trust in Christ, the prophet of God, the prophet who reveals God, the prophet who is God, that he holds all things in his hands, that, that he is the good shepherd who loves his sheep, Hear his voice crying out from Scripture. But you see, if you cut yourself off from the means of grace, if you cut yourself off, then you don't know what he says because you've unfamiliarized yourself with it. Hear his words as he tells us all that we need to know. Prophets then. Prophets fulfilled. Finally, this morning, prophets now. 
Christ has come and fulfilled the office of, of prophet perfectly. Is there any more need for this office? Well, if you turn to the book of Numbers in chapter 11, we have the story of the Israelites complaining about their longing to go back to Egypt. Oh, the leeks and the onions and the meat. Uh, you know, their God is their belly. All they could think about was the food. But they long to go back. And, and, and Moses cannot bear the burden of the people any longer. And so God says, bring 70 of the elders to the tent of meeting, and they will share the burden. Then the 70 men begin to prophesy with prophetic utterances, and Joshua notices that there are two men who are in the camp with the people. They're not at the tent of meeting. They're at the camp with the people, and they are elders in the community. They should have been there. We don't know why they're not there, and they too were prophesying. And so Joshua runs to tell Moses that they're out of bounds. They're, they're doing it wrong. Make them stop. Hear the words of Moses from Numbers chapter 11. Would that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit on them. That in itself is a prophecy. For where Moses was overwhelmed with the burden of representing God to the people all the time, Christ carried that weight perfectly. And rather than 70 elders prophesying temporarily, the Father and the Son would send the Holy Spirit at Pentecost to dwell in the apostles and give them prophetic utterance. And from then on, it would be the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God in each and every believer that makes those of us in Christ like prophets. Now, hearing that may cause you to to pause and say, now, wait a minute, does that mean I, I know the future? And I need to be careful here because I don't want you to start thinking I'm, I'm, I've gone way, way, way out of bounds. Do not start referring to yourself as prophet. Do not refer to yourself as prophet. Can we know the future? In a sense, yes, but not in like a a fortune teller sort of way, you know, uh, the Lord revealed to me that this specific thing is going to happen to you. Now, Paul does talk about that gift of prophecy in 1 Corinthians, but, 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 but can we know the, the, the future in general? We know through the Scriptures what Christ has said about the last days. You, you know that those who are in Christ will be brought through safely. You know that we are already seated in the heavenly places with Him. Beloved, what more could you ask for? What additional information are we missing here? And now, we go out, people who have been transformed by, by the love of Christ, the grace of Christ, the, the receiving of Christ in our hearts, we go out as ambassadors and like Moses, like Isaiah, like Jeremiah, and we hold forth what we know to be true. We are forth tellers of what God revealed in His Word. And what more could we offer people than the greatest gift that God could ever make available, the ultimate prophet, the Christ, the Messiah, 
the anointed one. What more could you offer someone? What more could you offer your worst enemy, your closest friend, your nearest relative? What more could you give to someone? You could give someone untold riches. For what? To pass it off to a fool? Even when we engage with one another, believer to believer, there's a sense of acting in a prophetic way. We are reminding one another of, of the goodness of God, of the promises of God, of the warnings of God, of the rebukes of God, and of the grace of God. But let me add a note here because I know that some of you are hearing this and you're picturing yourself as Elijah on Mount Carmel blasting the prophets of Baal. Truth! And eviscerating everyone. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So what are we called to? We are called to be Forthtellers, marked as your master, the Lord Jesus Christ, with grace and truth. Yes, you speak truth, but may it always be with grace. As Paul Tripp notes, if you speak truth, in ways that are devoid of grace, you have, in fact, done violence to the truth that you think you are speaking. If you handle grace in a way that compromises truth, the grace you are offering is not really grace at all. Prophets, then, are you silencing God in your life? cutting yourself off of the ordinary means of grace. The word, prayer, fellowship with the saints. Prophets fulfilled. Where do you turn when you are desperate? And Don't even think about giving a church answer. But where is it that you turn when you are truly desperate? Only Christ can give you real comfort. Only Christ, the ultimate prophet, can show you God's perfect will. And with our theme music, that's answered. That's fine. Thank you. You know, we've had a number of funerals over the last month or so. Funerals for believers. 
And when I've had the opportunity to speak with the family members who lost their loved one, it was abundantly apparent to me that they were finding their comfort and their hope in Christ alone. What more could you ask for? I was rejoicing that I just had a moment of fellowship with them. I didn't even have words to speak most of the time. And they were the ones that were helping me, pouring into me. They couldn't stop talking about just how gracious God has been, how loving, even in tragic circumstances. Prophets fulfilled. Do not turn to lesser things. Prophets now. Now consider all of that. Consider all that we've talked about. You picture the Father and the Son and the pouring out of the Spirit, and you, you picture that love and that relationship and, the, and that we're caught up in all of that. And, and, and we're filled not to the top, but we are overflowing. We're in super abundance of, of the love of God and the grace of God and, and His outpouring of mercy and kindness and, and gifts. And, and it's just, it's coming out of us. And what do we do with it? What do you do with that? Where do you go with that? Do you put it on the shelf for a rainy day? Do you just sit on it? Do you just sit at home? I mean, what what do you do? You're you're overflowing. You're bubbling. Where, Where do you go with that? God has uniquely placed you in a specific place for a specific purpose at a specific time. And if the Holy Spirit is in you, that he is desiring to come out of you. And so we think of those people that God has put us in community with, in communion with, and we think of how do I overflow into this person? How do I, how do I help serve them? How? We share Christ, the ultimate prophet, who knows all the future who knows our very hearts, and we speak that truth. Share Christ with the lost. Share Christ with the saved. Share Christ with your family. Share Christ with all. In a moment, we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper together, and we get a little foreshadowing and a, a sneak peek of next week Hopefully, some of our people who slept in will be there. (laughs) I'm looking at you. Because we look at the office of the priest, the priest who would make sacrifice. But the ultimate priest was also the sacrifice himself. And so we get to partake in that together as believers, speaking prophetically as foretellers with one another, with those outside of our walls, because we have been in communion with Christ. 
Praise God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the prophets of old. We thank you for Abraham and Moses and Elijah and Elisha, the major prophets and the minor prophets and John the Baptist and those who went before speaking truth, often even to their own demise. And yet they did as you commanded them, and they spoke truth even to hardened hearts, for who knows which hearts will turn and respond. And so, Father, you have called us to this same as you have poured out your Spirit on us, that we would be forth-tellers of the truth of the gospel that that superabundance of who you are and your love and your grace would outflow from us in unbelievable ways, untold ways. May it be so in Macon on the 24th and 25th. May it be so today with us here. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. We're privileged to celebrate that.